Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zernio. Carol, as many of you may know, is a nationally known gerontologist. She was named one of the nation's top 50 influencers in aging for 2017 by Next Avenue, the digital journalism arm of the PBS system. Carol has a master's degree in social gerontology and has been involved in the field of aging for nearly 30 years. She's currently executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. And Carol, this is a topic that we spend probably not enough time on. You can almost do this every week talking about memory care and dementia. You know, Ron, uh, the the issue of dementia, memory care, it affects so many people. And so many of us feel like we're the only one uh, going through this experience, uh, facing these challenges. And so it's it's really um, a thrill to have uh, Rachel Wonderland join us to talk about this issue. Well, Rachel is the author of a guide to memory care and dementia communities. She's an internationally recognized dementia care consultant, owns a senior living consulting company, and runs the popular blog and podcast by the same name, Dementia by Day. Also the author of When Someone You Know is Living in a Dementia Care Community, and the co-author of Creative Engagement, a handbook of activities for people with dementia. So Rachel Wonderland, that brings up the obvious question, why Rachel and dementia? Um, why did I get into dementia care? Exactly. Um, I just love uh, working with older adults. I have a master's in gerontology and found that dementia care was really my passion. It's, it's the thing that I enjoy doing. So when I was a dementia care director at a Brookdale building in North Carolina, shortly after getting my master's, I started the blog Dementia by Day, which eventually turned into my first book, when someone you know is living in the dementia care community with Johns Hopkins. And since then I've had uh, two more books come out with, with Hopkins. The la- the third one, which is uh, Caregiver's Guide to Memory Care and Dementia Communities, came out just last week. And what's the focus of that book? The focus of the Your third newest. book. Yeah, the focus of the third book is a lot uh, more in-depth version, I would say, of my first book. So really, it's built for care partners who are looking to transition a person living with dementia into a dementia care community. However, there's also a lot of information in there for people who work in senior living, uh, other dementia care directors, as an example, who are interested in knowing more about their field, being able to field more questions from family members, so so what do people not or get wrong about memory care or dementia care? What are sort of the misconceptions going into? A lot of different things. Um, I think people are more educated about dementia care than they were even 10 years ago. But I find that families a lot of times will wait a really, really long time to transition a loved one into dementia care when maybe the person could have benefited from the additional programming and hands-on care that memory care provides. And a lot of times that person, you know, the family will wait 
like two to three years too long because they think, oh, you know, I don't want to move mom out of her house. She loves being home. But the reality is mom has no idea this is her house anymore and probably would actually do a lot better in a dementia care environment around people of her same cognitive level and being able to engage in programming at that level. Well, and I love the story. I love you saying that people don't understand that someone might do better. Um, I There was a gentleman that we had mm-hmm. that got into a, a memory care unit. And once he got in, he thought he was in the Navy again. Right. And everybody, he told his wife, you know, I've been called up, um, mm-hmm. I'm stationed here. And mm-hmm. he was, they were at their wits end at home. He was so disruptive. It was a terrible experience. And once he got into memory care, they were, he was loved it. She loved it. They were happy. Exactly. Exactly. I, I think that's a common story. That's a common refrain. Um, of course, I've, I've, you know, seen it happen the opposite way where it doesn't go well. But for the most part, I, I've seen people be really happy that they transitioned to a loved one. All right, stay with me. We're going to come right back to you. But first, I want to let folks know who may have just joined us. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zernio. And we're talking with Rachel Wonderland. She is a gerontologist. And we're talking about the Caregiver's Guide to Memory Care and Dementia Communities, her latest book. And so walk us through, if you don't mind, Rachel, when you start to make the decision uh, to seek memory care for your loved one or for your care recipient, what are the questions you should ask yourself? How do you go about finding the right facility? So I always uh, say if you've been thinking about transitioning a loved one into dementia care, it's probably been time because people do wait too long. So that's the biggest question people ask me. When is it time? When do I move them? I am actually developing, I have e-kits, what I call e-kits available on my website for purchase. And one of them that I'm working on now with an illustrator is all about that question. So it's going to be specifically about when do I move someone? So my, my short answer is if you've been thinking about it, it's probably been time. Really the best way to look for a dementia care community is to go on Google Maps and look in your area or the area in which you'd like to transition that person and find different communities and then call them, set up times to visit and take a couple tours of the building. I don't recommend going with the placement agency just because they work off of referrals. So instead, really just doing your own homework and and going in, visiting the buildings. What's the difference between a dementia care facility and a typical, let's say, nursing home? So a nursing home is a skilled nursing facility. It's actually a specific designation of of care. So a lot of times when people say nursing home, they're really referring to assisted living, which is a different designation of care. So uh, skilled nursing is typically for people who are on um, Medicaid, uh, not always. Uh, Sometimes they are there for short-term rehab or they are living there long-term. It's typically for people who have more physical needs. Um, Assisted living, it's called different things in different states. In Pennsylvania, we sometimes call them personal care homes. Uh, In Hawaii, they're type one or type two adult care homes. These assisted living type communities are private pay. They are for People who are aging but should be able to mostly care for themselves, maybe they need a little bit of extra help. Dementia care is an extension of assisted living in most states and should be a 
locked should be a secure unit inside of an assisted living building. And this is for people who are living with cognitive impairments who need extra care beyond what assisted living provides. Assisted living is not a locked uh, building, but dementia care should be. I'm hearing more about communities being built for memory care. Yes, yes. There's more and more places built specifically for people living with dementia, um, more now than ever before. What I do is I work with companies to help them build dementia care programs. So sometimes, you know, companies will come to me when they have memory care in their building. They they provide care for people living with dementia, but they don't really have a specific program for it. And they don't really have a specific plan for it. So I work with them to help them build that and and label that, build that, create that, um, and then be able to market that. So when you look for a unit uh, and for a placement, what is it you physically look for? I make a call, I make an appointment, I go out. What, what am I looking for? I think that's dependent on on you and your loved one, what you actually want in a, in a place. I think about it like the way you would look for a college, right? I, I think it's a lot to do with the vibe. You know, when you walk in, does it feel like a welcoming place? Does it feel good to you? Um, does it feel like somewhere that, you know, your loved one might be comfortable? That's, that's really what I want people to look for. I have a essentially like 20 plus questions to ask yourself and the community that you're visiting. Uh, I won't get into all of those questions because that's, that's on my website. That's going to be in that e-kit. Um, it's also in my, my third book. But, what are some of the questions? Um, you know, you want to look at cost. You want to look at programming calendars. You want to look at the food. You want to talk to other families who are there. All of those things, really. Like if you were looking for a college, you would pretty much do that kind of stuff too. So you can think about it like that. So Carol, when you looked for placement for your family, what did you look for? Well, I think for us, obviously there was proximity. We wanted someplace that we could visit often. And so we wanted it to be close to home. Uh, we wanted it someplace that that really did have um, real memory care. Uh, there are facilities that will say that they have memory care, but they don't have a locked unit. It may be a special mm-hmm. set of activities. Uh, and, and they say they, they can accommodate somebody uh, with memory problems. We did try one of those and found that they, that they couldn't. Um, and so, you know, and then the last thing is, is one that, um, you know, that you, you have a feeling, whether it's from the smell of the facility, it's the way that the staff interact. I think it really was standing back and watching the interaction between the staff and the residents when they weren't really focused on us uh, to see how they, those interactions went. And as you take a look, Rachel, at the growth in memory care units, uh, you're talking uh, perhaps a proprietary interest in building them. How do people afford them? How do individuals afford? Yes. Yeah. How do you afford uh, to place somebody if you don't I have, have no long-term idea. care? Yeah, <laughs> I have and no most idea people that. don't have long-term care. Yeah. And honestly, long-term care insurance won't always help. So it totally depends on your long-term care uh, it's going to continue to become more and more of an issue. I mean, it's like education in this country, right? We don't really have, um, you know, we have quote unquote loans for education, but we don't really have 
The, the cost of college education keeps going up. We don't really have any solutions for that. The cost of assisted living is intense. We don't really have any solutions for that. So that's not my area of, of expertise. And frankly, I, I didn't even want to comment on it at all. Like I didn't want to put it in my third book, but it was the question that kept coming up. So I talked about cost, but it's also totally dependent on where you live. So, you know, finding a dementia care community in Los Angeles is going to be probably a lot more expensive than like rural North Carolina. Well, we need our Pell Grants for memory care. Stay with us. We're going to come right back to you. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. Our co-host Carol Zernial is here and we're talking on the Caregiver SOS on air hotline with Rachel Wonderland. She is also a gerontologist talking about the Caregiver's Guide to Memory Care and Dementia Communities. This is Caregiver SOS on air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. Well, thank you so much for sticking with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. We're talking on the Caregiver SOS On Air hotline with Rachel Wonderland. She's a gerontologist. We're talking about memory care and dementia communities. And Carol, you wanted to ask a question? Well, I, I'm curious. You know, the, when you change and place someone in a memory care unit, you're no longer being a caregiver 24-7 or a care partner 24-7. So how do you ensure your loved one's getting the best care? What When you shift gears, you know, what do you keep doing? What do you give up doing? I, I don't believe that any one person can be the sole caregiver. So I always recommend giving that up as soon as humanly possible, whether it be bringing in additional people to help in the home or being able to transition that person into a dementia care community, you know, and just not being the only person doing all the physical and emotional caregiving. So giving that up as soon as possible is always my recommendation. Well, and, and then how do you, how do you kind of have uh, what do you, if the person isn't living with you anymore and maybe you have concerns, I know with my mother, we had concerns that came up with the memory care unit. Um, what do you recommend to ensure that they're really getting the best care? Well, I would definitely talk to the care staff directly and then make sure there's a dementia care director or somebody like that, that you like in that role. Sometimes I see families go to the person living with dementia and the person living with dementia will always complain to the family. And then will also say things like, oh, nobody feeds me here, you know, or like, I don't, I hate it here and I don't do anything and I don't talk to anybody. And then when you talk to the staff, you, you know, you, you'll end up getting photos from the staff with pictures of mom, you know, doing uh, crafting, enjoying things, having a nice lunch. So sometimes the person living with dementia is not a great historian, meaning they're not going to be able to give you the accurate picture of what's going on. 
so talking to people who can give you the correct information and then going off of that. Now, if you are going in and you're seeing that your loved one is constantly like her, their hair isn't washed, you know, they're in the same clothes all the time. Um, they're losing a ton of weight. Yeah, these are all big problems. But um, making sure we're balancing what they're telling us with what we're seeing and what we're hearing from other people who are there who are going to be better historians. And I think that keeping the a list of the questions that you've asked, who you've talked to, documenting what you've observed so that if you do need to follow up at a later time, but just making contemporaneous notes, notes that happened at the time, whatever the concern was happened, um, so that you can speak to that later on. Uh, we, we all know the days get long uh, and you can uh, sort of get fuzzy on the details. Right. Coming back to the home setting for just a moment, Rachel, one of the things I know you focus on in, in your book is technology and ways in which that can be effective in assisting uh, caring for someone with dementia. What, what is it you're looking at? It really depends. I never want to use technology to take over the place of human caregiving um, or to quote unquote remind the person living with dementia of something. A lot of the quote unquote apps that I hear about are, um, oh, this will remind the person with dementia to take their pills. No, that's not what we're trying to do. That's not going to solve the inherent problem. Um, but instead using technology to assist the caregiver or even for entertainment value, such as like a game on an iPad to engage a person living with dementia, but not to give them another thing to figure out or do or charge, you know, like an electronic device to charge. And then some issues of home safety uh, where someone is in the home. What are the things you should consider? Definitely, there is no substitute for a human being in the house with this person for the vast majority of the day, if not every second. Um, I so often see caregivers do a lot of work to try to make the home safe, but all they're doing is setting up cameras, writing down notes for the person living with dementia, you know, essentially putting up caution tape to prevent them from exiting the house or falling downstairs. And, and that's just not any, that that's not sufficient in any way, shape or form or making, you know, trying to get the person living with dementia to agree to stuff or make promises like, Oh, I promise I won't go down the basement. Well, they probably won't remember that they made that promise. They're going down the basement if they want to go down the basement. So we can't rely on that stuff to keep that person safe. Um, there's no, just no substitute for, bringing in a home care company or looking at the ability to transition that person into uh, maybe an adult day program, perhaps for a bit, or transitioning them to a dementia care community. Well, I think the safety issue, Rachel, that you bring up is really important. You were going back to where we started. When is a good time to, to place someone? It really, when safety, when, when you can't overcome the safety issues, when you know that person is not safe. And I've known many families to keep their loved ones at home living alone way too long yes. uh, and then and then something big happens uh, yep. and like they they're naked standing on the corner of a busy street going for a walk um, and then the family realizes oh they're not safe at home that's true right. they're not so exactly. anticipate the problems that may occur 
Correct. Um, anticipating, well, anticipating that there is going to be a problem and expecting that that person, if they're not watched, will eventually exit the house. Um, it, just expect that it will happen because even if it doesn't, you're better off just going like, okay, they're, they're going to, I was talking to somebody the other day, um, whose dad has dementia and he said, yeah, he keeps, you know, my mom's home with him, but he keeps going out of the door. And I said, it is time to move him into a dementia care community. And they're like, well, the doctor said, you know, they didn't want to take him out of a familiar place. I said, he has no idea this is his house. It is time to move him. He is not safe here unless you're willing to get a sitter to assist your mom because your mom's not doing, you know, she can't be watching him 24 seven. If she has to get up to go to the bathroom or something, he's out the door. Like this guy is super mobile and, you know, wants to go out the door. He's going out the door. Well, talk a little bit as an industry. I mean, you mentioned 10 years ago that we've, we've got, we know we have a lot more memory care. We know people as consumers are more savvy, uh, know more about um, dementia, but as an industry, you know, where, where do you hope we go as you're a consultant to these memory care facilities and, and companies, what do, what would you like to see them do more of or differently? Uh, obviously biased, I'd like them to hire me to help them build better programs. Uh, but in, but in truth, I really would love to see, you know, more and better dementia care, more education around what dementia is, how to communicate with people living with dementia and acceptance of the phrase that I call embracing their reality, which is the concept that you live in the world of the person living with dementia, stop worrying about quote unquote lying doing what is true for the person, whatever that means, wherever that goes, and uh, really creating spaces for people living with dementia instead of, you know, kind of, it, it ends up being like something that companies think of like, oh crap, we don't have any dementia care program. You know, they, they <laughs> so often these companies like have memory care like they have a locked unit, but they don't know what to do with it. They don't have a plan for it. And if you go to their website, it's like, yeah, we have Alzheimer's care. And there's, and it's like, well, okay. You know, there's, you know, no information about it. There's no, it's all generic um, stock photo imagery. And that's all you get. And you're like, I don't know what that means. Well, describe <laughs> for us, describe for us what that would mean. What would be better programming? What would be the kinds of programs you'd like to see in a memory unit? So um, I don't, I like to try to get away from the phrase memory unit um, and instead say dementia community, just because not, because not everybody with dementia has a memory problem. And also because the word unit sounds so uh, clinical and so does the word facility. So that's why in my book and everything, you always hear me say dementia care community. Um, So with programming really we want something happening pretty much throughout the day a lot of times you see these these calendars and there's like four programs and the calendar ends at three o'clock that's not sufficient at all so I wrote my second book creative engagement really for the old me because when I started as a dementia care director you know, I had a great education, but I didn't really have any actual hands-on knowledge of like what the heck to do with my residents all day. So I figured it out and I wrote my book really to inform 
uh, people of actual tangible activities they could do throughout the day. So every chapter has a multitude of different types of programming to implement um, from like physical activity examples to arts, you know, arts and crafts. I hate that phrase, but arts and crafts, um, brain activity and engagement, just a multitude of things that, you know, these programming directors can choose from to literally put on their calendar and go, this is what we're doing throughout the day and keep people engaged, keep people enjoying their lives. Um, and just, yeah, day to day engaged, having fun, enjoying their time, not playing bingo all day, not sitting around staring at the TV, (laughs) napping, these kinds of things. And as you take a look at today's facilities, are more and more embracing the kind of programming you're looking at? Uh, we got about 30 seconds. They're getting better. All right. I'll <laughs> but stop no, you right not there. Not necessarily. <laughs> I thank you. Appreciate you coming on. Care partner, advocate, and she is with a, a, a book, Memory, Care, and Dementia Communities. We thank you very much, Rachel Wonderland. I'm Ron Aaron. Thank you to Carol Zernal, our co-host, and we will join you again soon right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zernal and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org. San Antonio, let's work together to beat the heat. CPS Energy wants to remind you there are easy ways to conserve energy and save money this summer. Use fans to feel four to six degrees cooler and run ceiling fans counterclockwise. Don't forget to turn fans and lights off when you leave the room. Visit cpsenergy.com forward slash savings for more ways to save energy and money this summer.